back to the beginning can control what tomorrow will but I know here in the middle is a place where you promised to be I'm not enough unless you come will you meet me here again all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? As I walk Let your love rise above every fear. Like a sun shaping the shadow in my weakness, your glory. I'm not enough unless you will you meet me here again cause all I want is all you
Unless you come, will you meet me here again? Cause all I want is all you are. Will you meet me here again? Not enough, unless you Welcome to Watershed this morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to this fantastic spring break destination. No, uh, as we gather for worship, though, this morning, I want to invite you to stand and welcome each other, uh, you hardcore spring breakers, uh, for hanging out in the 40-degree weather. Yeah, actually, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> it's true. God's right. <coughs> he knows my thoughts. Okay. <laughs> One of the things that we worship about God this morning is that he takes our lives, he breathes his life into us. That's why we sing this song, Graves into Gardens. So I want to invite you to join with us.
Sometimes we're like a dad who meets Jesus and asks Jesus to heal him. And he says, help me, God, in my unbelief. Right? We, we search the world and we look and we see, yeah, there are other things that can't feel, fill us like Christ can. And I want to believe that, but sometimes it's hard. And so like that father, I ask God to give me faith, to help me see. And so we sing this together. I 
mighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our god you shine in the shadow you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our god almighty fortress you go before us nothing can stand against the power of our god you shine in the shadow you win every battle nothing can stand against the power of our god you go before us Nothing can stand against the power of our God You shine in the shadow You win every battle Nothing can stand against the power of our God oh, When I fight, I'll fight on my I'd like to invite kids through fifth grade over by Miss Sam by the doorway and Miss Lori. Dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone who made it to church safely. Please help everybody to make it home safely. And please help all the children as they're going to learn more about you today, God. And please help them to have fun. Amen. <laughs> thank you. Good morning. It's good to see you guys here. I like that there's this, this crowd on spring break, so thanks for being here this morning. I'm just going to pray with you this morning, so if you will join me in prayer, please. Gracious Father, um, thank you for this day that you've provided us today and that um, we're all here to honor you and to love you. We gather as a people who are deeply in love with you and we're people who want to honor you and share your greatness with those around us. Thank, thank you that as deeply as you love, or as we love you, you love us even more than that. We are humbled to know that you desire for us to be your children and that we're the beloved of God. All of us, the church worldwide, 
We're all your beloved children, not just those of us who are here in this room or on this campus, but to the lake shore and far beyond. Lord, over the past weeks, we've experienced deep sorrow, and we live in a place of deep concern for our brothers and sisters across the world. Please bring this war that is occurring in Ukraine to an end. Lord, bring an end to the violence and destruction that is man-made. We pray for the lives of all of your beloved children. We pray for those who are homeless and, and hopeless. We pray for protection of everyone directly involved in military action in both Ukraine and in Russia. We pray for wisdom for all of our elected officials. We ask for your protection for Jeff and the team from YWAM as they prepare to go and serve refugees on the border of Poland and Ukraine, helping to provide medicine and food, clothing, and even counseling of those who are displaced and fleeing devastation, crossing borders. Lord, we need your mercy, and we pray, come, Lord Jesus, come. Father, there's so many in our community who are suffering from cancer or from other critical illnesses right now. We ask that you give wisdom and knowledge to the medical teams who are working hard to heal them. Lord, open the doctor's eyes and their minds to find the right paths, the right medications, the right treatments for these very difficult medical situations. And for our friends and family who are living with these illnesses, Lord, help them to know that they are loved and cared for and supported, that they can lean on us when they are tired and weary in times of weakness or pain. But more importantly, that they can lean on you, Lord, that you will remain strong for them. You are the great healer and source of comfort. Give them relief and comfort, Lord. And Father, we think of those who have lost loved ones recently. These are tender, tender days, Father. They are likely days that are hard to find joy and filled more with tears. Lord, wherever they are in their grief, be there with them. Give them hope and your unfailing love. Remind us to allow them the time and space that they need to begin healing, but to be present and available when the time is right to walk with them. And Lord, we're thankful for this coming week of spring break. Lord, we pray that um, those from our community and beyond who are traveling, that they have safe travels, that they arrive where, they, um, are, where their destination is safely, that they find the week to be a week of rest, and that they're able to experience treasured memories with their families and loved ones as they um, enjoy time away from school, work, and other um, stresses in their lives. And now, Lord, as we prepare our hearts to hear your word, we need your spirit to speak to us. We need your word to take root in us. So in your grace and mercy, speak. Encourage us. Lift us up. Choose to breathe your life into us. God, you are good, and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Dee. Well, and again, hello. Do you want to, would you like a little tall joke this morning? Okay, 
I don't know if it's a joke as much as, you see that keyboard right there? That stand is designed to be on the ground. It's on a rolling cart. And that top part that the keyboard is sitting on usually has a secondary controller. The real person's keyboard is down here. So if you're missing Matt's whole keyboard rig, um, we have the keyboard, but it had to be put at a height um, that is convenient for me. So there you go. I don't know if it's that funny or what, but when you got to do everything in the morning, you just got to find something to laugh at. So <laughs> we are continuing this week in our Lent series where we're engaging who we are in light of Christ and what he's about to do. Next week, Sunday, we kick off Holy Week uh, with Palm Sunday. Uh, we'll wor worship together on the following Thursday, Maundy Thursday, and then Easter morning. So we're ramping towards that area in that time where we really get down and dirty with what, what did Jesus really come to do? And I hope and pray every week that you're reminded of what Jesus has come to do for us. Because we do have life. Um, he's whether we're singing it, whether we're praying it, the life we have is a gift from him. And we're going we're gonna to unpack that a little bit more today. Uh, but we've been in the journey throughout Lent this season, looking through the book of Exodus and kind of Israel's journey as God saved them from Egypt, from Pharaoh, has walked with them. And he starts the journey by uh, talking to Moses and saying, here's my name. I am who I am. I'm going to be whoever I'm going to be. So there you go. Woohoo! <laughs> but go knowing that I've heard you and I'm with you, right? If, if you've been around Watershed over these weeks, I've, I've used two terms, transcendent. God is transcendent. He is not bound by anything. He is beyond all constraints, all things that could possibly limit him. And yet God in his transcendence, his bigness, he's also imminent. He decides to get down and dirty with us. And in particular, he hears Israel's cry and gets down and dirty in their life with them. And as that journey goes on, uh, we see how God shows off his power and his provision to them. So as they've journeyed and as they've complained about will God take care of them, uh, God says yes. And then last week we came to this, this part where God gives his law. And we talked about how the law is a guide and a guardrail for us. Right? The law is how we can know, how we can give back praise and honor to God for what he's done for us. But the law also reminds us of our deep need for God's, forgive, for, for God's forgiveness. There you go. Right, That the law, when I, I try to live into it, when I, I, I recognize that I can't, right? I'm unable. As, mu as hard as I try, as, as many tricks as I can learn, as many times I read my Bible, you know, I, for some reason I can't help but still sin. And the good news is in pointing us to the, our need for Jesus, we know again of a God who forgives Right? And we heard the story just very briefly of how just as Moses is coming down to celebrate the Ten Commandments with God's people, they're already making an idol, a golden calf, and worshiping him. Now, some of the details of that story get kind of crazy, and we'll get into that a little bit today. But as we think about, again, this God and our faith, I came across this quote from A.W. Tozer. He's a pastor, theologian, writer, um, now past, but he said this, we wonder why we don't have faith, right? Oftentimes when we see this in Israel's journey, we see this in our own, we struggle with faith. We wonder why we don't have faith. The answer is 
Faith is confidence in the character of God. And if we don't know what kind of God God is, we can't have faith. Right? It's hard to put our faith in a God who just says, oh, by the way, I am who I am. Here you go. <laughs> right? Um, I'll show up. I'll make some promises occasionally. I'll, I'll show up uh, when I'm going to show up, how I want to show up. Right? And, and Moses, in his journey, has said, man, I want to know, though. From what I've seen of God, I want to know more. And this is where our story brings us today. We're in Exodus, again, continuing Exodus 33, starting in verse 12. We hear this. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you'll send with me. Right? The Lord says, you're going to leave Sinai, you're going to leave this area, you're going to go to Canaan. And actually, at one point in time, God goes, I'm not going to go with you because you guys try my patience too much, and if I go with you, I'm just going to wipe you all out. So I'll send one of my messengers with you. And this is where Moses is saying, um, yeah, but you haven't told me who. He said, you've said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. God, that's what you've said about us. So if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I know you and can continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people, right? This nation is a people you've rescued. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest, Right? So I'm not just going to send a messenger. My presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. Right? We don't want to go. I don't want to go if you don't go. So how will anyone know that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you've asked. Because I'm pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Right? Show me your fullness. Show me all that you are. Show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I'll proclaim my name, the Lord, Yahweh, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion but, he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may, no one may see me and live. Right? It's an impossibility for any bit of created order with sin in the mix for us to see the fullness of God's face and live. Then the Lord said, so there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in that rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'll remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. This is God's word for us this morning. So we think about these words and what Moses wants in particular. I was thinking this week um, about this uh, other quote from Roy Lesson. He uh, was the co-founder of Dayspring Cards. I'm sure you've seen those around um, in Hallmark, Rite Aid, and other places where you can buy your wonderful cards, right? But he says this. He says, the more I know you, the more I want to know you more. The more I know you, the more I want to know you more. 
As I reflect on these words and this experience with Moses, Moses has just watched God punish the Israelites for their idolatry with the golden calf. You know, when, when the golden calf got destroyed, he ground it up and made everybody who bowed down to it eat gold. Yeah. And you know, beyond that, there were 3,000 then that the Levites were told to go through the camp and slay. Because God, as we hear in this passage, God takes his presence, his power, his holiness, his perfection really seriously. And he said to his people, hey, listen, I'm giving you boundaries, but people when they want to cross boundaries don't realize, and we see this a lot today, don't realize there's consequences for our crossing of boundaries, right? And he makes that very clear. And this is where Moses is saying, God, but I don't want to go. I, I can't go without you. I've seen your power. I've seen even your judgment, but I've seen your judgment upon people like Pharaoh. I've seen you rescue us. I've seen you provide for us. I can't go further if you're not there. As Dee prayed this morning, I think about in particular when, when folks have lost loved ones, and, and I think about this phrase that I've heard so often, with this reality of going, man, I don't know how I'd make it through if I didn't have God. I didn't have faith. Those moments where we've been in the midst of the challenges, the trials, those, those moments where we feel like we've been overwhelmed, but we're like, man, there's somebody and there's something holding on to me more than I'm able to hold on to it. And Moses goes, I don't want to get into a situation where you're not with me. I want to know you more. And in that, God, I'm fine with your name, Yahweh. You're going to be what you're going to be. I get it. I've seen you do your thing. <laughs> but I want to know you more. I want to know more about your character. I want to know more about your quality. As we talk about this this morning, I just wonder, what about God has in your life sparked that desire to want to know him more? Right, the, the, those, those moments that you said, you know what, this God is, is something more, uh, there's something more here. I may not understand everything, but what I've seen keeps me, me saying, God, give me more of your presence. Show me more of your glory. Or what have you walked through in which you say, God, I don't want to go forward. I can't go forward in life if it isn't for you. Right In my short life, in my 40 years on this earth, I can tell you this. I don't want to step into the next four days, let alone the next 40 years, if I don't have God with me. Right? And what do we hear God promise Moses? Yes, not only am I going to go with you, but I'll, revo I'll reveal to you more of who I am. Right, not only at the beginning of the story of Exodus do we hear Moses or God hear the cries of his Israelite people, but now we hear when God's people want to know more of him, God will condescend. That means he'll come down. So often we use the word condescending as right, condescending remarks to bring someone down. The reality is God condescends to us to reveal more of himself because he actually wants to know us and wants us to know him. So this story continues in chapter 34. In verse 5, God comes through in his promise to Moses. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, 
abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished, punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Moses then bowed down to the ground and at once worshipped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. And God does. There's something beautiful. As much as God goes, my name is Yahweh, Yahweh. He's, he's like, I'm going to reiterate for you, I will be who I will be. Right? I'm going to be who I'm going to be. Let me say it again. I'm going to be who I'm going to be. Then God decides, let me tell you a little bit more about me. Right? God in greater detail. Like Tozer said, it's hard to have faith if we don't begin to know some more of the character and the quality of God And the first thing that God reveals to Moses and reveals to us this morning is that God is compassionate. The word for compassion in the Hebrew is rahum, and rahum means uh, actually that it's in the womb. And the image that is set forth throughout, especially the Old Testament, with this image is a mother and her infant child. So think about that. A mother with an infant child, what are you going to do? Mama bear is going to come out if you come after my kid, right? Right? There's this, this love and instant connection with this child that no one in this world can ever have quite like a mother does. And God says, this is the, this is the God I am. You're my child. You're my children. You're of my womb. I care about you. I love you from the depths of my very being. Right before he talks about, do we get it right? Don't we get it right? Have we lived well? Haven't we lived well? He says, who I am, my very character is I am for you and I'm not against you. You're mine. You're deeply loved. God is compassionate. He then follows with the word gracious, right? That God is gracious, the hanun. And we hear this in Greek where it's charis, so it's grace, It's an unearned, unmerited favor that God pours his favor upon us, his delight upon us on his choosing, not on our ability to receive it. That in his compassion, he feels for us in the depths of his very core. He also shows his favor to us because that's just who he is. Not because we deserve it. No, 100% of his favor is his choosing. So, so I'm a God who is compassionate and gracious. I have favor upon you. And then it goes on to say this, that God is long-tempered. He's patient, slow to anger. Again, because I'm using Hebrew words, I might as well say this one too. Eric Paim. There you go. Every time I feel like I'm talking in Hebrew, I feel like i got to like spit. Right? But in Eric Paim, it means literally God has got a long nose. And for us, that means nothing other than like maybe Pinocchio, right? <laughs> Doesn't mean Pinocchio, right? Because Pinocchio got a long nose because he lied. No, in the Hebrew world, a short nose means you were, you were hot-tempered. 
If somebody said, man, you're short-nosed, that means you were, you were filled with rage very often. You, you, you weren't slow to anger. And yet for God, he says, I have a long nose. I'm patient. What do we see in the story with Pharaoh? Right? Did Pharaoh punish? Or did God punish Pharaoh and the Israelites? Yeah. But he gave him 10 opportunities through the plagues to turn around. Right? Oftentimes we see these judgments and be like, okay, God's just going to judge. He's going to smite thee off of the face of the earth. But then we forget to see the, uh, the extent of his patience. Well, we'll hear later in the Old Testament when God brings the people off into exile. It was generation after generation. It was over 500 years of God's patience that took him to the point to say, I'm going to put you in exile for 70 years. I don't know about you, but I need a patient God in my life. Right? I need a patient wife and kids. <laughs> but more than that, yeah, Trisha, you could. <laughs> I need a patient God. Because I don't even know the extent to my failings and my mistakes. Sometimes I know it, but man, oftentimes. I don't. I miss it. And then we hear this, that God is big in commitment, that he's faithful. It's, the word is hesed. And hesed, it means it's a, it's a covenant. It's a commitment. It's a promised commitment that says, I'm, I, you, you can count on me never being the one who's going to go away. Steadfast is another word. Secure, something you can stand on. God says, not only am I patient, but I'm abounding in faithfulness, in commitment to you, loyalty. And then finally, uh, he says this, that he's big in truthfulness. And truthfulness means emet, which means that he is um, reliable, trustworthy, or think about integrity, right? Integrity, when I think about integrity, it, it's a character but it's also the character of something like a bridge. I want to know a bridge has integrity when I'm going to drive over it. Amen? Right? That it's whole. It does what it's supposed to. It doesn't have any chinks in its armor, per se. That God is full of integrity as well as big on commitment. Not only is he big on commitment, but he's committed to thousands. And here it means thousands of generations. That God is not just going to be committed to Moses and to the Israelites, but he's going to be committed to generation after generation after generation after generation. Why? Because this world was birthed out of him. He breathed life and gave, gave our being life. It was out of his design and creativity that the world and nature came to be. It was out of his intricate design that our, our, the, the universe is sustained. And God says, to the thousands, I'm going to remain committed. And then what does God do? He says that he forgives. And the word for forgiveness here, nosa, means to actually carry. That God takes our waywardness our rebellion, our shortcoming. And actually, he gives three different words in the Hebrew for those sins. That means the mistakes we accidentally make. It means the mistakes we make on purpose. And it means the high crimes. Okay, so it covers the whole gamut of sin. And God goes, instead of you having to carry it, I'll carry it for you. 
this is who I am. And then finally, we come to one more piece. That God doesn't acquit everyone, including the third and fourth generations. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. God's like, okay, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punish the children to the third and fourth generations. A couple things. I want to give you an image. This is from John Golden Gay, and I love the image. Think about it like this. Think about the old school mafia movies, right? If they're going to come, if, if they're going to come pay you a visit, right? If the Godfather's going to come to your house, right? <laughs> he doesn't just pay the parents a visit. He pays the family a visit. And what, what happens, because that's the word, it means to visit. That God doesn't just come to the kids and say, oh, by the way, your, your parents have sinned. You better watch out because you're their children. You've learned from them. You better not do the same thing that they did. Because if you did, the punishment that's on them is on you. And what happens, the writer of Exodus, I think understands too the story of God's people, understands how sin works. That's often what happens. How many of you do some of the same stupid things your parents do? Yeah, nobody's raising their hand. <laughs> I don't, I don't. <laughs> right? How many of us have made some of the same mistakes? Even though we were cautioned not to. Right? Sin has a way of weeding down and through generations. But remember, the third and fourth generations are always offset in this by a God who is for us for thousands of generations. Right? But this is who God is because God says, I will be what I will be. As you've heard me talk about judgment as I've pastored here at, at Watershed and at, at Hardaway, God, I don't want a God who's not able to judge sin and wickedness and rebellion. Right? And throughout Scripture, God says, here's what I'm going to do. Most of his judgment is I'm going to let you live with the consequences of your decision if that becomes your choice. However, what else do we see in this passage? Does Moses go, yeah, all right, hey, Israel, you just go make yourselves another calf. No, he bows down. In light of knowing God more, he worships God. He bows down before him, and what does he say? Forgive us. I know this people is a stiff-necked people, but Lord, forgive them. Because you said that we were yours. Folks, that's a promise we can always hold God to. Why? Because he's compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and mercy to thousands of generations. While he may let us live in some of the consequences of our sin, he doesn't let it remain forever. Now, as God said, hey, Moses, you can't see my face. A few couple thousand years later, God was going to show his face. And he did in Christ. In the book of John, John 1, we hear this, the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen, listen to this, we have seen his glory. God said, what? You can't. You can't see all of it. You can't see my face, otherwise you'd die. But here's God condescending again, coming down, being imminent, deciding to come within humanity, life, and boundaries. We've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of what? Grace and truth. 
some of those core attributes of God. Verse 16, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. We've, given, we've, been, we've received an unearned, unmerited favor upon an already unearned and unmerited favor. We just keep getting more of it. This is the generosity of God. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. And he's made him know. That not only has God in spirit said to Moses, you know what, I'm going to let you see my back, some glimpse of my glory. Now I'm going to show you the fullness of my glory in Christ. In 1 John 1, we also hear this. This is about that sin attribute and core of who God is. This is from the message translation. If we claim that we experience a shared life with him, with God, and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim, right? If we continue to live in something that we, we say we're not going to, but if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another. As the sacrifice blood of Jesus, God's son purges all of our sin. Right? He forgives our waywardness, rebellion, our sin. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that's errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, simply come clean about them. He won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. I'm a God who forgives. I'm a God who's gracious. He'll forgive our sins and purge us all of, of all our wrongdoing. If we claim that we've never sinned, we out and out contradict God, making a liar out of him. A claim like that only shows off our ignorance of God. I write this, dear children, to guide you out of sin. But if anyone does sin, we have a priest friend in the presence of the Father, Jesus Christ. Righteous Jesus, right Jesus, perfect Jesus. When he served as a sacrifice for our sins, he solved the sin problem for good. Not only ours, but the whole world. This God revealed to Moses, this God that is revealed to us, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, bounding in steadfast love and mercy, a God who's committed to thousands will forgive our rebellion, our waywardness, our mistakes, our missteps. Who still judges sin? Judges sin how? Through his son. While some of my sin may pass to the second, third, maybe even fourth generation, the punishment for that was taken upon God's only son. That's our freedom. That's our life. God isn't no, is no longer just simply a God who says, I am who I am. Deal with it. I'll show you some experience. I'll give you some experiences as you go. No, he comes to us and says, this is who I am in greater clarity, greater truth. I am compassionate. You're mine and I'm committed to you. I'm gracious. I'm going to show you kindness and favor beyond what you can ever imagine. I'm patient with you. I will put up with you. 
I will take as much time as necessary with you. And I am committed to you in a covenant, in a promise that even though you fail, I won't because I am faithful and true. This is a God who is for you this morning, who is for us. And that faithfulness continues to all generations. Praise God. Let's pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you again for who you are and what you've done. God, thank you that you were willing to show mercy, um, your kindness, your goodness to Moses, to your people. God, I know uh, judgment is never uh, a fun part of it, but God, in your holiness, in your rightness, you have to judge. You can't let sin and brokenness win and it exists. You want to drive it out. But Lord, thank you that you don't simply punish us or our children's children when we repent, when we turn, when we ask for your forgiveness. God, you've already forgiven us in Jesus. God, help us in those moments to forgive ourselves. Help us in those moments to extend that forgiveness as well to others. Lord, help us to know that we are deeply loved and desired by you. Help us to know that immense favor and kindness you've shown us, that grace and that mercy that says, I'm going to hold back the punishment you deserve, but I'm going to give you life upon life upon life. Help us to know the extent of your patience and to be grateful. To know your commitment and grow in ours to you to know your faithfulness and as well be faithful to you. God, again, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you for teaching us your truth and guiding us in it. Lord, we praise you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand and join us as we sing together of God's faithfulness, that God is faithful now.
shake prison walls I will speak my fear I will preach my doubt You were faithful then You'll be faithful now You ain't found You ain't giants more You use songs of praise You shake prison walls I will speak my fear faithfulness this week. Receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his face upon you, right? That you actually see his glory be gracious to you. That the Lord turn his countenance towards you, his smile towards you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace.